Well, almost. First John chapter 4, verses 7. I'm going to read all the way to uh, verse 21 this morning. So I'm going to cover a very large passage, which particularly for me is a large passage. I like to zero in. Um, and we may even look at this passage again next week. And uh, because I, I, I don't have the time to cover all of this in, in, one, in one setting. There's a lot of application here. But there's also, there's doctrine here. And there's doctrine here that I don't want to pass up. But if you have noticed, if you've been reading with this in this particular book, uh, this particular letter, is he's very repetitive, which I have talked about in the past and I will talk about again this morning. Uh, but he's really undergirding these, these particular truths that he desires uh, for us to, to grab a hold of. And um, so to do this strictly verse by verse is, could be difficult because it would be, I even find myself saying, well, I, I said that last week. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't need to hear it again, but, but nonetheless, I, you know, I want to keep the momentum going, although this is really, to me, this has really been a wonderful book and, and uh, to be able to teach through this, and I, I can't remember, it's been I think when I, was, I taught on this once when I was in Tahoe. So it's been a long, long time um, since I've taught through this book. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. And if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in him, uh, he who abides in love, abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. 17 ought to be underlined, actually, an incredible verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. 
If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Fill us with your spirit that we might receive from you. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time that we've had already just in worshiping you and coming to your table. We ask, Lord, that that you would fill us up with the teaching of your word. Help us to hear. Lord, help me to hear from you and to address those things that you desire to impart to each of us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So sometimes I think you just got to sit with a passage and you just got to sit and think about it for a while and read it a couple times. And, you know, I'll sit and think about it and and I'll I'll put on worship music um, and just think about that which I've read and um, then sometimes even turn the music off uh, because I get too lost in the music that I... I lose, you know, I lose track of what I read. You know, the chewing gum and walking at the same time that somebody mentioned earlier this morning. But, uh, uh, and, and to go back and to refocus and to think about all it is or all that is that this particular letter is trying to impart to us. And, and this idea, the emphasis here is on love. The, the emphasis here is on love. And of course, with the emphasis being on love, the emphasis is also placed upon Christ. And, and uh, this idea of knowing God through love and the love of God being revealed by the work and, uh, uh, that Jesus did in demonstrating his love toward us by dying on the cross for us and being the propitiation for us. Propitiation is a very... Uh, it's probably a dollar twenty-five word, right? It's probably not a five hundred dollar word, but probably a dollar twenty-five word. And we'll, I know, I, if we have time, we might talk about that this morning. I've got it in my notes, but but I, I think I might even just save that for next week and and, and look at that a little bit more fully uh, next time. Um, but but the thing is, in in all these verses that I've read to you, did did it not bring back some? reminders of what we have already looked at in this particular letter? Boy, it even, it, it did for me, as I was reading it last week, reading it yesterday, even reading it to you this morning, it's like, yeah, we covered that, yeah, we covered that, yeah, we covered that. Uh, so why don't we just go ahead and close in prayer? No, I'm kidding. But, um, but my, and, and I brought this up. I've been asking this question, and I've answered this question, but I, but I, but I, I think it's an important question that sometimes we spend time wrestling with and thinking through rather than, than jumping to the answer. And sometimes I think that in our reading of the Bible and our understanding and apprehending of our life of faith, we, we think it's a math test. What do I mean by that? Oh, a math test. I hated math. And so when I ever had to take a test... My end game was to get the thing done and get it finished. 
and get to the answer. And and I I'm, I don't I'm hearing that like in school today that they they they've taken two plus two plus two plus two equals four and turned it into some kind of equation that takes you a half an hour or so to to try to solve, which that would drive me crazy. And thank God that I didn't go to school during during these times, you know, or at least learn math during these times. But why the repetition? And and and. If it's here, it's here for a reason, and, and, and I think it's an invitation that we have from the Spirit to sit with these things and to think through these things. I'll give you some more things to think about without necessarily wanting to even answer that question for you because it's my opinion, and, and the belief is, is that when John wrote this letter, he wrote it to the church of Ephesus. He was an elder in the church in Ephesus during his latter years. And, and what's interesting about the church in Ephesus is that the church in Ephesus has um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven letters in the Bible that address that particular church. Ephesus, 1st and 2nd Timothy, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. Um, I might have miscounted there. Um, Because there is a small letter uh, in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2, that addresses the church in Ephesus. And one of the common themes that you see in these letters that were written to the leaders and then to the church in Ephesus is this common theme of love. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for the saints. So Paul uses this idea even in his introductory statements to the Ephesians as he's writing to them in Ephesians chapter 1, recognizing their love for the saints. The word love is used 14 times in the book of Ephesians, all right? So it, it's, it's a, a topic that, that Paul goes back to over and over again when he's writing Timothy, who is the pastor in Ephesus at the time that that letter was written. He says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.5, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and from a sincere faith. So he's telling, he's telling Timothy, of course, for him to apply it personally, but also for him as the pastor to teach it to the congregation that the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart. And, and uh, what is interesting, though, is that when Jesus addresses the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, what does he say to them? Nevertheless, I have this against you. Why? Because you have left your first love. Now, we have all this emphasis upon love that John had also written to the church in Ephesus, and it's debatable about whether Revelation was written first or whether the three epistles were written first. I think the three epistles were written first. I'm not going to go down that road this morning. But it's interesting that there was so much emphasis placed upon loving one another in the church and yet Jesus in that parting word to them tells them that they've left their first love. 
and then, of course, encourages them to go back and do the first things. And so that, that you know, a lot of times people want to see that the Laodicean church is, is a picture of the end time church. I think maybe the Ephesian church is a picture, at least of these times. And I can say they're the, these times are the end times because based on what Paul, Peter said in the book of Acts chapter 2, we've been in the end times since the beginning of Pentecost. So, because we are a culture that is really, we're very divisive. We're very divisive. And it, it, we've, 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 we've drifted into this, this, this uh, uh, polarity, this polemic between the left and the right and the middle and anywhere in between. And it, 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 uh, we've, uh, we've lacked the ability, we've lacked the ability to have a good common sense of compromise. And that, that is in our culture that has also drifted into the church. And, and I, I think about this, and no wonder that, that Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, now he's talking about the end times. My opinion, I interpret Matthew 24 as he's talking about the time of the tribulation. Your mileage may vary. But he's talk, I believe he's talking about the time of the tribulation. He says, because love, uh, excuse me, because sin abounds, the love of many would what? Would wax cold. And so... It seems to me that it is possible that love for one another can be, perhaps often is, the first thing that goes out the window in the Christian life. Because I think part of the problem with that, guys, is that we, we think exclusively about our love. And I think often it is, is we, we, start, we, get it, we, we start to believe this idea that if I love you the way the Bible says I'm supposed to love you, that means I'm not going to love me. And guess what? I love me more than I love you. And, and so we, we wrestle with that. Now, is self-preservation important? Is self-care important? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um. Even in that list that Paul gives us in Second Corinthians of all the suffering that he encountered, I don't think that was something that he volunteered for. I don't think that was something that he jumped in, in the front of the line to be able to participate in. I think he actually attempted to try to care for himself, but, but he was often one who was engaged in severe physical uh, issues because he was engaged in severe spiritual warfare and the battle of the spiritual can actually bring itself forth and manifest itself in the physical that's an important thing guys i think that we need to grab a hold of and i think we can grab a hold of without sounding too pentecostal right i got your attention okay uh but I think we need to understand that uh, the things that we receive in the spiritual are um, a means by which we are to live in the material and in the physical. Because it tells us here um, in verse 8, 
He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, I want to kind of grab a hold of that declaration, God is love. So, God being the beginning of all things, God being the creator of all things, God being the one who created the world in which we live in, I would submit to you creating the world out of love. Did you ever stop to think that he provided us a home? And and that all of this was really created for humanity? Even the stars? And and I think there's a a part B to this that I'm I'm speculating here, okay? I'm not going to go too far down this road either. I think there's a part B to this that we'll understand when we are in the when we are in the presence of God. So I think we have some school to attend. But even the heavens were created for us and our vantage point here on earth. Because the psalmist, one of my favorite psalms, is the heavens declares, you know this, the glory of God. And the firmament, which is an older King James word that I still like using, his handiwork. And so, I go outside at night when it's dark and it's clear. And I get a renewed impression of the greatness and the grandeur and the glory of God. And I'm thinking, he created all of this so that it speaks to me. I'm looking at the physical, but it's ministering to me in the spiritual. God is the beginning of all things. God is the beginning of love. He is the the generator of all things. He is the generator. He is the initiator. That's a good word, right? The initiator. It's a real word. All right. Check it next. He is the initiator of our relationship with him. He is the initiator of our relationship with him. We see in what in, in verse um, 19, we love him because he first loved us. He, we loved him because he first loved us. And when we became aware of his love, then we began to respond. And growing up as a little kid, I, I didn't necessarily have a love for God. And believe me, I hated going to church. And, uh, you know, you... Yeah, I won't, I won't go there. But anyway, I hated going to church. I did. And, and it, it, it was long, and the guy yelled and screamed, and got it all red in the face, and he beat it on the pulpit like it kicked around. I guess I am going there, aren't I? But, uh, um, and it was one of those buildings with plaster, high ceilings, and hard floors, and so everything reverberated in it. It was pretty interesting. Uh, and then the chairs that squeaked, you know, the bent wood chairs, and they folded, and they squeaked every, you know, it was, uh, it was hated being. Anyway. Um, have a drink, Mike. We're good. But um, it wasn't until I really understood God's love for me that I really began to love him back. He's the initiator. He's the creator. See, creation. the creation story really speaks the gospel if you start to think about it. He's the creator of our relationship with him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. 
That's creation language, okay? It is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's the initiator. He is the one who commands light to shine out of darkness. He is the one who commanded light to shine out of your and my dark heart. Not only that, he was the one who was the one who created or commanded light to shine out of the darkness of what became our world, our home. God is the creator of all things. And then because of that, then God is the source of love. God is the source of love. So think, and see, I don't know how atheists do it, okay? And um, atheism is kind of a strange idea anyway because it, it, it depends upon a God that they believe doesn't exist. Ever think about that? It depends upon a God that, doesn't, that they believe doesn't exist. But I wonder, I wonder what, because God, if God is the source of love, and I, I believe that that is what this is just declaring very clearly here in this passage, what would life truly be like if, I said if, capital I, capital F, all right, if there was no God? Humanity would have destroyed itself, I believe, a long time ago. God is the source of love. We are the expression of that love. See, I don't believe that you can truly experience God's love without it having some type of an effect, some type of a change upon you. We receive these things spiritually. We receive his love supernaturally. And how do we do that? How do we receive his love? We are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. We are saved by grace through faith. Grace is an expression of what? God's love. Don't separate the two. Grace is unmerited favor. Getting something good when you deserve something bad. But, but it, the, the motive... Grace might be the expression, the outreached hand. The motive behind the outreached hand is always the love of God. And it's God's supernatural, still small voice that spoke to our heart that drew us in, the work of the Holy Spirit drawing us in, or else we would have never have become Christians. We wouldn't have got here on our own. Whether you want to believe that you were totally dead in your trespasses and sin or whether you want to believe that there was a still small little fire of the, of the Spirit of God that still resided in you and I'm not, I've given you two very distinct theological possibilities here, okay, which I'm not going to cover this morning. Nonetheless, how you believe that is your, it's up to you and your mileage may vary and I'm okay if you're going to be wrong about it and disagree with me. But anyway, um, that's fine too, right? God drew you. God brought you in. God initiated. We love him because he first loved us. 
And one of my favorite verses, and I, I prayed it, part of it again this morning, God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were yet sinners. Now think for, I'm not going to unpack this for you, but I want you to unpack this really quickly in your mind. What does it mean for you to be a sinner? Now think about what a dirty, rotten sinner you probably are. God demonstrated his love toward you that while you were yet in that condition, Christ dies for you. He's the initiator. How do we receive the love of God? We receive it by faith. So we receive his love supernaturally, but we are called to live out his love in the physical and in the material. And our material, physical expression uh, is proof that we have actually believed. Look at verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he does not love, for he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? There's a lot into that verse, but part of it is, is that John is in, in, uh, uh, injecting the question is, is if, if you can't, if you can't live in a way that honors God in the physical and the material, have you truly even had a spiritual experience with God in the first place? Because God is the initiator. Because God is the source of love. Because he is the one who breathes the breath of his spirit into our hearts. And there is a change supernaturally that takes place in us. Now, I understand, too, that, there, that there's that warring that's going on. We're always having that battle. But while you will not be perfect, One of the benchmarks that you need to examine your own self to see that you are in the face, faith, is do you love other people? And and I and without without really getting deeply into this, and I've alluded to this and kind of spoken on this a few times before, we need to get a good understanding of what God's love truly means. Because, and I think this is healthy. You do not love other people in the way that hopefully you love your spouse or your immediate family members. Especially with some of us we have, we, in trying to love our adult kids. And boy, the, 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 they ask a lot at times, don't they? <laughs> they, they? They really, you know, uh, it, it, it becomes difficult. But you, you, you steadfast with them because you love them. And, and we got to get out of this idea of this idea of loving other people in this this weird, sickeningly syrupy, sweet, romantic type of notion that that has been put before us uh, through the different medias. Love is a sense of commitment. Love is a sense of of, of standing firm. 
uh, and being with another person through the thick and the thin and the thinnest and the thickest. Love is demonstrated by grace. Love is demonstrated by being faithful. And sometimes you might need to give somebody a very lovingly kick in the backside. And love is willing to take that risk. And and yet God, God's love, who is the source of love, God being the source of love, his love for us is so much greater, so much more powerful, so much more intense than I think often we even completely understand or comprehend. And if we really understood and experienced the love of God, it might change you as a person. Are you experiencing his love? I'm not going to explain that to you. I'm going to leave that for you. Because it may be different for you than it is for me. But are you experiencing his love? And that's a question I have to ask myself because I, I went for, I've been a Christian for a long time now. And I remember I went for years and, and I never really felt like I really loved God. And I finally decided, God, we need to talk about this. We need to talk. And I spent a lot of time over a prolonged period of time is what I mean in prayer about God. I'm not even sure I really love you that much. I like you. I'm grateful. And he started showing me more of his love for me, which actually kindled the fire in my heart. So if you're not sure you love God all that much, ask him to kindle that fire in your heart and then and then see what it will do in moving you in materially, physically, that's not the right word I wanted to use, in tangibly loving other people. Getting that better? Yeah. Yeah, but sorry about that. But in, to love people in a physical, they're doing, to love people in a material, intangible way. All right? Sorry. Um, And then we, we see in verse 9, this is where I'm going I'm to just close. Um, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. God has sent his only begotten son into the world we might live through him. This, this word manifest, uh, this word manifest means to be, to cause to become known, to, to disclose something, to know something, to make something known, to show somebody something. So God in his, his, his work of love toward us did it in a physical, material way. So it's, we might receive this love of God in a spiritual sense, but guess what? It's only because God came in the material and sometimes we get so heavenly minded or so spiritually minded that we are of no earthly good. Well, the incarnation is all about God coming in the flesh and dwelling with us and dying a literal physical death and 
being beaten literally and physically for uh, and suffered literally and physically for our sins and literally and physically resurrected. Amen. You could say that God put his money where his mouth is. And not only does he speak to us in that spiritual sense, but he had demonstrated that in a literal, physical way that people saw, that people mourned with him, or that those who were his enemies hated him even more because of it. He sends his son. John always takes us back to the cross. We looked at it a while back in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. The cross speaks of love. And the cross required the one, Jesus, who laid himself down for us. It required him to, his love required sacrifice. His love required his own for him to abandon his own desires. Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he's in the garden and he says, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So he had that wrestle himself, had to abandon his own self-interest. And, and who, who would want to go to the cross? Think about it. You guys know enough about the cross. Who in their right mind would want to go to the cross? Not my will, but your will be done. See, when we really understand that and we really begin not only to apprehend it, but also to live that out in our lives, and I'm going to embellish it a little bit, not, and I pray, Lord, not, not, not my will that I would love to do, but your will that what you would love for me to do, your will be done. See, because when I, when I, when I, um, when I push against that, what am I saying? Guess what? Guess who I really love more than you, God? I love me more than you. And I think that's, that's where a lot of us struggle. If we're truly honest, we really do love ourselves more than we love God. And some of you will probably come up later. Please don't tell me. All right. Don't send me an email on that one. All right. <laughs> all right. If you want to believe that you love your God more than you love yourself, have at it. Okay. Maybe you do. Maybe you have something to teach us then. But I think that's part of the struggle between the flesh and the spirit is the flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do. And sometimes loving God and therefore loving others is challenging. Right? Right? It's challenging. But I go back again, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, I've already read it. It is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. 
who was shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so when things get hard, really that should be our prayer. Lord, shine your light in my dark heart. Lord, shine your light upon the knowledge of the glory of God and show me Jesus once again. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your great grace by which you have saved us. We thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. We thank you that you demonstrated love toward us by dying on the cross. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who speaks to us and testifies and tells us of this great love. And so, Lord, while we thank you for your Holy Spirit, we also ask you for your Holy Spirit to empower us to be the expression of the love of God in our lives to others. So be blessed. Lord, that our lives would be living testimonies or living letters, as, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians of the love of God that has been shed abroad in our life, in our hearts. Be with us this week. We pray, Lord, that for a continued protection upon each of us, Lord, for those of us who, who need a healing touch, I'd pray this morning that you would heal, that you would do that work. Lord, we confess again, too, that our our lives are not our own, that our, our bodies are the temple of the living God. And we pray, Lord, that you would enable us and empower us to glorify you with our bodies as we live in this physical, material realm. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. God bless you guys.